turn to Genesis chapter 4. We're in a series entitled One Life, and we're talking about how our one life, each of us have a life, and how our lives impact others. And this week, I'm going to talk to you about one devotion. The word devotion means to be fully committed to or fully consecrated, actually fully consecrated to God, that our life is set apart, that we are devoted to God no matter what. About three weeks ago, the Lord started speaking to me from the Word that I'm going to show you tonight, from Scripture that I'm going to show you. And it's been challenging me, so I'm going to challenge you in this area, all right? And I'm going to ask you some pretty strong questions here. If there were no Scriptures in the Bible about giving to God, would you still give to God? I want you to think about this, all right? If there were no scriptures about tithing, would you still give 10% of your income to God? Let's just pretend. Nothing in the Bible about 10%. First of all, would you give, and what amount would you give? Just think about it. If there were no scriptures about being blessed, if you give, would you give? If there were no scriptures about being cursed, if you didn't give... Would you give? I mean, this is pretty strong scriptures, aren't they? You're just like the other service. They didn't answer me either. Um, (laughs) If there was no heaven and no hell, would you give your life to God? If there were no rewards for serving God and no punishments for not serving God, would you serve God? If there were no rewards for doing right and no punishments for doing wrong, would you do right? This is kind of heavy stuff, isn't it? The reason that I'm saying this is because I'm reading about three weeks ago in Scripture, and I noticed that three guys in the Bible tithe before tithing's in the Bible. And what hit me, I never thought about this before, what hit me was, why? And why? Why would you give God 10% of your income if there's no requirement to do it? If there's no law, if there's no principle. When these guys did this, all the scriptures we're going to look at are in Genesis, by the way. Okay? Genesis 4, Genesis 14, and Genesis 28. There, there was no Bible when these guys did this. No Bible. There were no financial books. There was no preacher telling them to give 10%. Uh, there were no offering plates. All of a sudden, these guys decided to give their first fruits, their firstborn, a tithe of everything they had and everything they made to God. And what I'm trying to figure out is why. And here's what I'm also asking myself. Would I do that? Would I do that? If the Bible didn't say there was any reward at all for giving, would I give to God simply because I love Him? Is that enough? So, I started to ask myself, the first one's Abel, and my question is, why did Abel tithe? Why did Abel give to God? Here's what my answer is I came up with, and this is the first point. Because he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God. Now, Genesis 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, 
And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. One's a rancher, one's a farmer. And in the process of time, that's a very important phrase. In the process of time, just somewhere along, you know, haphazardly, randomly, it came to pass, it just kind of happened, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. By the way, just something to notice, it says he respected Abel and his offering. It doesn't just say he respected Abel's offering. It says he respected Abel as a person. And it says that he did not respect Cain and his offering. It wasn't just that he respected Abel's offering or he accepted Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's. He accepted Abel and he didn't accept Cain. He did not respect Cain, but he respected Abel. You you follow me on that? So why am I saying this is tied? By the way, the other two actually use the word tied. But why am I saying this is tied? Because the Bible talks about that you give your firstborn or your first fruit to God, that that's an act of tithing. That's an act of giving our first to God couple other scriptures on it. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, this is 2,500 years before the law. In other words, before there was any principle or any statute or any commandment that you should give your firstborn or your first fruit to the Lord, Abel already did it. Why did he do this? Think about that. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Why would Abel bring an offering anyway? And why did Cain bring an offering? By the way, I personally think that Cain brought an offering because Abel did. Because Abel gave up his firstborn and Cain did it in the process of time. Just somewhere along the time, he gave his offering to the Lord. I think he did it because Abel did it personally. But why did Abel do it? What happened in Abel's life? Here's what I think. I think that Adam and Eve shared with Cain and Abel why they weren't in the garden anymore. I think at some point Cain and Abel probably were walking by and noticed two big angels stationed at the entrance to a beautiful garden. And they couldn't get into that beautiful garden. And I'm I'm pretty sure they asked their mother and their father... How come we can't go in that garden? And I think Adam and Eve shared with them the story, we used to be in that garden. We were there. But we sinned. We violated God's commandment. And the reason I believe that Abel gave to the Lord was because he saw God's grace. He heard the story of how his mother and his father uh, sinned. And he heard the story of how God killed an animal to cover their sin. And I think Abel was overwhelmed with the grace of God. Here's what I think about Cain, though. I don't think Cain was. I think Cain was actually bitter and upset and angry at God because they got kicked out of the garden. And part of the curse, by the way, was you had to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. You had to work the ground. And the ground was now going to bring up thorns. And there was a curse on the ground, and that's what Cain did. Now, here's what kind of shocked me about this when I began seeing this in Scripture. Abel sees God's grace... And gives to God. Cain is angry and upset and bitter at God. And doesn't give to God. 
Here, here's my question for you today. Which one are you? Again, I'm not getting a lot of response here, am I, on this message? No, come on. Which one are you? Are you a Cain? Are you kind of mad at God and upset because you have to work so hard and it's your money anyway and you can't believe that God would ask for anything anyway and it's difficult and you're kind of mad at God and mad at this life and mad at the earth? And so you're not going to give God anything. Or are you absolutely overwhelmed at the grace of God? And therefore, whether it's a requirement or any scripture in the Bible about it or not, you're going to give to God because you want to give. See, this is what this message is doing for me. You, you understand that everything I preach, God's doing in me. You understand that? That's why you come and say, man, you just relate to me. Well, because God's working on me too. And here's what hit me in this message. God, would I give if I didn't have to? Do I feel like I have to? Do I want to give? I can tell you this. I started giving because I wanted to. I got saved, and I was so in love with the Lord Jesus, I just wanted to give. And I didn't know anything about giving. I just wanted to give. But now, 25 years later, I know all this stuff. I know all the Scriptures. I've written a book on this stuff. I know this stuff. Do I still give? Because I'm overwhelmed at the grace of God. Or do I give because I don't want to be cursed and I want to be blessed? See, what I want God to do in our hearts is that I want every one of us here to give simply because we want to give. Just because we want to give. Um, When I was young, this is the story for probably most of us here. When I was younger, I didn't make, you know, very much money and I didn't have to pay taxes. You know, you get a little older, you start making a little more. All of a sudden you start paying a little more. And so you start sitting down with your accountant and you start talking about things. You start wondering, how can I not pay as much to the government? Uh, any, anyone here gone through this? <laughs> yeah, especially we're about a month away from April 15th. <laughs> Hell day. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway. So you just start wondering, you don't know, you know, you start thinking about this. Well, here's the, here's what you can do. All of a sudden, if you're not careful, you can start wondering how you could not pay so much to God. I've had businessmen talk to me. Pastor George has had businessmen talk to him and said, you know, if I sell this and, but I reinvest or I move this or I do this, do I have to tithe on that? It's the wrong attitude. See, the problem is that we'll start looking at tithing as a tax. And I have to give God 10% or I'll be cursed. And I want to be blessed. But maybe if I switch this around, maybe God won't see that as income. (laughs) And maybe I can switch some things around so that I don't have to pay the church tax on that money, but I can still be blessed. Listen to me. It's Satan's scheme to get us to see tithing as a tax. It's not a tax. Abel gave because he wanted to give. Because he was overwhelmed with the grace of God. Okay, well the next one's Abraham. How come Abraham 
gave. Here's why I think, because he saw the greatness of God. Turn to Genesis 14, just a few pages, ten chapters away. I think he tithed because he saw the grace of God. Now, let me tell you the story, and again, you can read the whole chapter uh, later, and I hope you do. I hope you take the sermon notes and sometimes read more in Scripture or refresh your, what we've talked about during the week, during your quiet time. Abraham has a nephew named Lot, and Lot goes one way and Abraham goes one way. And then Lot is living in, a, in two cities, there are two cities, and they're captured by the five uh, most powerful kings of the day. These five kings come together and they form a coalition and they capture these two cities. So Lot and his kids go into bondage, go into, to become slaves. So Abraham, here's what the Bible says, gathers 318 servants born and trained in his own house. Now, what we don't think about is Abraham gathered 318 maids, cooks, and butlers. Not warriors, servants. And he goes against the five most powerful kings of the day. And, by the way, he defeats them with cooks and maids. And on his way home, he meets Melchizedek. Now, let me remind you what the Bible tells us about Melchizedek. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of peace. He is the priest, not a priest, but he is the priest of the Most High God. And he doesn't have beginning of days or end of life. Any clue who this might be? Yeah. It's either Jesus or he represents Jesus. One or the other. I personally believe it's Jesus himself. He's the priest the priest, not a, the priest of the Most High God. He is the king of righteousness, the king of peace. And the Bible says he doesn't have beginning of days or end of life. Okay. He meets Abraham on his way home and watch what happens. Genesis 14, verse um, 18. Then Melchizedek, that means king of righteousness, king of Salem, Salem means peace, Brought out bread and wine. Let me just stop just for a moment. Because when I read this, things jump off the page at me. Is this the first communion? And while he's serving Abraham bread and wine, which a lot of people miss this part, do you think that he's thinking that this is my body and my blood that's going to be shed one day? I just wonder about that. Brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High. Now, this next phrase refers to God Most High, not Abram. Possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies in your hand. Now watch, this is all the response we find out from Abraham. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now, the reason that is strange is that's the first time the word tithe is in the Bible. Nobody has preached to Abraham about tithing. Nobody's talked to him. Please let this strike you as strange. How all of a sudden, he just gives 10% of his income. 10%. Here's why I personally think he did it. I think he saw the greatness of God. 
Melchizedek, who is either a representative of Jesus Christ or Jesus himself, shows up and this is what he says to Abraham. I'm here representing the one who owns everything. I'm here letting you know that you didn't defeat the five most powerful kings with maids and cooks on your own. I'm just letting you know that God blessed you. And Abraham says, that's worth 10%. (laughs) I got it. I catch it. But he just gives 10%. This is the first time the word tithe is in the Bible, and it means a tenth. He gives a tithe. Why? No Bible, no offering plate. He just wants to give to God. He just wants to show it. Listen to me. He saw how great God was. He saw that God owned everything. And the reason that he had anything in his life was because of the greatness of God. Now, I'm going to make a real strong statement here. If you don't tithe, you need a revelation of the greatness of God. Because if you can't trust God with 10%, I'm telling you, it's because you don't really understand how great He is. As a matter of fact, I'll just make a stronger statement since I'm on a roll. (laughs) You have a really little God. You serve a real small God if you can't give Him 10%. And trust that He can bless you. You don't trust Him. Abraham had no problem trusting Him. He got the revelation... That God Most High is the possessor of heaven and earth. I uh, led a guy to the Lord one time. I bought a car from him and led him to the Lord. And uh, he heard the word tithe about two months after he got saved in the church there. And he came to me and said, what does tithe mean? He never heard the word tithe. And so I explained to him, it's a tenth and we give it because we love the Lord And, uh, you know, it was in the law, but it was before the law, and it was after the law. And Jesus himself said, you ought to tithe. Did you know that? Hello? Matthew 23, 23, New Testament, red letters. (laughs) Jesus said, you ought to tithe. That right there should be enough for you. You ought to tithe. Your Savior said that. So I share with this new convert, he doesn't argue. Isn't that great? He doesn't argue. He just says, I'll do it. He said, I made $600 last week. He wrote a check out for $60 on Sunday. Puts it in the offering on Monday. Now think about how God had to start earlier to get this in process. You know, God had, because he got it in the mail, so God had to, he may have had to start Three or four weeks before with our postal system. But anyway, he, God had to do a miracle to get it there the next day, okay? On Monday, he gives $60 on Sunday. On Monday, he gets a check from the city of Irving, which is where he lives, for overpayment of his water bill of $600. Cities don't do this. Ten times exactly what he gives. Do you know what he saw that day? He called me on the phone. I'll tell you what he saw. He didn't say it this way, but this is what he saw. He saw how great God was. All right, and the third person that tithes in the Bible was Jacob. Why did Jacob tithe? Genesis 28, by the way, if you want to turn there. I think he tithed because he saw the goodness of God. 
Genesis 28, verse 13. Now, by the way, I wanted to read this out of the New Living Translation because I just, I kind of like the way it said it. So you can follow along or in your version or you can just see it in the New Living. Genesis 28:13. At the top of the stairway, by the stairway, by the way, the stairway is Jesus. John 1:51 tells us that. So again, he has a revelation of Jesus. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will cover the land from east to west, from north to south. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Verse 15, this is one of the reasons I like New Living Translation. What's more, I just can hear God saying, and what's more, you know, kind of like, Johnny, tell him what else he's won, you know? He just, <laughs> what's more, I will be with you and I will protect you. The word protect is a big word here. Wherever you go, and I will someday bring you safely back to this land. I will be with you constantly until I finish giving you everything I promise. That's pretty amazing. And then verse 17, maybe you've seen this verse before. What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the gateway to heaven. It's a scripture the Lord gave me when we started the church six years ago. Verse 22, this is his response. This memorial pillar will become a place for worshiping God. This is Jacob now. And I will give God a tenth of everything he gives me. Well, what causes you to do that? I'll give God a tenth. Here's what I think caused him to do it. He saw the goodness of God. This is 300 years before the law. Now, somehow that doesn't register with us. 300 years before there was any law about giving God a tenth. Jacob says, I'll give him a tenth. That's kind of like Christopher Columbus saying to the guys on the boat, guys, we need to elect senators before we land. What are senators? Well, you know, the, the executive, the legislative, you know, the judicial branch of the government. We need to, you know, I, you see what I'm saying? That there was no concept for hundreds of years later of tithing. And all of a sudden, Jacob says, I'll give you a tip. Now, let me tell you why he said this, all right? I think he said this because I'm going to tell you something about Jacob. At this time, Jacob is a liar. He is a liar. He is a manipulator. And he is a deceiver. He is not godly. He, is, he has just stolen his brother's birthright. He lied and deceived his brother was a hunter. And his father said to his brother, go out and prepare some wild game. You know, like I like it. Go kill something. You have to hunt him down and kill it. Bring it back and I'll give you the blessing. His mother and Jacob hear this. He dresses up because his father's blind now, almost blind. He might have been able to see a little bit. He's probably 90, 95% blind. He can't see hardly anything. Jacob puts on, you know, a smell, animal smell, and he puts on like an animal skin because Esau was real hairy and he wasn't very hairy. And so he goes in and Jacob, Isaac says to Jacob, are you Esau? He says, yes, I am. Okay, let me tell you what that is in Bible terms. A liar. He's a liar, and he steals the blessing of God. Esau comes back and finds out he, he, that Jacob got the blessing. This is what Esau says, I'm going to kill him. Now, let me just give you a clue. When someone says he's going to kill you, and he's really good at tracking and killing wild animals, 
you better get scared. Esau knew how to track someone down and kill him. He says, I'll wait till Jacob, my, uh, Isaac, my father, dies so that it doesn't grieve him. But as soon as he dies, Jacob is mine. I'm going to kill him. So Jacob decides to go to another country. <laughs> and on his way, see, the story I just told you, we just read chapter 28. The story I just told you about Esau and Jacob stealing is chapter 27. Okay? So on his way, running for his life, God meets him. And here's what God said. He doesn't, he doesn't say one thing about what he's just done. Here's what he says. I'm going to bless you. I, I, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to bless you. I just want you to know that. Now let me tell you what that is. That's the goodness of God. And by the way, you don't deserve it any more than Jacob did. And he sees the goodness of God and he says, I'm going to give you a tenth. Now that's the way I started giving. I, I, I was a bad person. I got saved. I didn't know about tithing. I just wanted to give. I just started giving. Let me tell you why I started giving. Because I saw the grace of God. I saw the greatness of God. And I saw the goodness of God. That's the only reason. And I just started giving to God. Then I remember one day I was reading in the Bible. And uh, I was reading where it says, If you have a field and you would like for your field to belong to God, you can go to the priest and you can give him the deed to your field and say, I want this field from now on to be God's. I don't want it to be mine anymore. I want it to be God's. But, he said, God knows that you need the field to provide for your family. But you can transfer the ownership of it to the Lord as long as you will. You can, you can still work the field and provide your family as long as you'll give 20% of it to the house of God. So I'm reading that one day in my quiet time. And I said, God, my field is my job. And I want my job to be your job. I don't want it to be my job anymore. This just happened in my quiet time one day. So I said, I've been giving 10%. From now on, I'm going to give you 20%. Because I want my job to belong to you. But I need to feed my family, so I'll, I'll do this. And so that day I gave him my job. I started giving 20%. That was in 1984. In about 95 or 96, somewhere around there, I started hearing people talking about giving God 10%. Giving God 10%. And I started thinking to myself, because see, I'd been given 20%. Since 84, I started thinking to myself, I'd like to give God 10%. And I started looking at how much I was giving and things I could do with it. And so I just stopped giving God 20%. And I just started giving Him 10. Hey, that's everyone, most people give Him 10. Some people don't do that. So I'm doing okay. In about three months, my finances were totally out of whack. I mean, just out of whack. And the reason they were out of whack, by the way, was because I just thought I got all this extra money and I kind of quit stewarding them real well, you know? And so I, st I got mad at God. And so one day in my quiet time, the Lord said to me, what are you mad about? I said, because you're cursing me. I mean, I'm still giving 10%. But I, I, you, you, and, and, and what I'm mad about is you're requiring me to get 20%. You don't require that from anyone else. 
I don't know why you require that from me. And I started giving 10 like everybody else is supposed to. And now I'm in all this financial trouble. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, first of all, you're not in financial trouble because I'm cursing you. You're making some stupid decisions. And by the way, there are a lot of us here that have, are having financial difficulty. And we're mad at God. And God's not the one that's making the decisions. God's not the one pulling out the visa card for things that He shouldn't be pulling out the visa card for. You just, you're not answering much at all, dear Nissan, are you? Okay, so first of all, He said, first of all, I'm not cursing you, Robert. You're just doing some things you shouldn't be doing. Second, though, He said, I want to tell you something. I don't require you to get 20. I never required that. He said, you gave 20 because you wanted to. And then this is what he said to me. He said, you know what hurts me? You don't want to anymore. I don't care whether you do it or not. But what I'm bothered about is you don't want to. Let me tell you what I want God to do in our hearts. I don't want anyone here to give because you have to. I want you to want to. Here's three people in the Bible that gave before they had to. And I'm shocked. I'm overwhelmed at these three people. I want you to be overwhelmed too. I want you to give because you want to. In, In two weeks, two weeks from this weekend, I'm going to ask every person in the church to make a commitment for the next two years. Can I tell you something? It takes faith to make a two year commitment. It's one thing to give one, one weekend to give a little extra. But when you say, I'm going to give for two years, it's going to take faith. We need to start moving toward what God's called us to do on that land. What we're going to, what we're going to do in the next two years isn't going to build the building, by the way. It's just going to get us started. Here, here are some things we need to do. We need to pay the land off. We need to start doing the site work on the land. But here's the main thing we need to do. We need to expand the ministry we have here. We need to expand our, our youth ministry. Our youth are totally out of room. And I'm telling you, I told you this before, whoever wants the most is going, to, is, is going to get them. I want them. So we need to do some things in that area. We need to do some things with our children's ministry. We need to do some things with our single mom's ministry. We've got several areas where we could expand. And through this time, we feel like to ask you for a commitment. Will you give over and above your tithe? And if you're not tithing, will you at least start tithing? But will you give over and above your tithe for two years? But I'm telling you something. Matter of fact, I got the scripture. We don't need to look at it, though. It says God doesn't really want a giver that gives grudgingly. So if you're going to give grudgingly, just don't give. But if you'll give cheerfully, I want you to give. But what I want God to do in your heart and in my heart is I want Him to put my want to back. I want to give because I want to. I want to give because of His grace. I want to give because of His goodness. I want to give because of His greatness. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Some of you have... Maybe never, ever 
consistently tithed. Some of you here have maybe tithed for years, but maybe the joy's gone from tithing. Maybe you look at it as a tax. I, I better do this or I'll be cursed. I need to do this because I want to be blessed. Let's ask God to do something in our hearts again in this area. Let's ask God to put that want to back in our hearts. If you're here tonight and you need prayer for any reason, if you're here today and you need prayer for any reason, I want you to come in just a moment. We're going to have a time where we'll have the leaders here at the altar and you can come if you have a difficulty in your finances. Maybe you have a difficulty in the area I'm talking about, about wanting to give and about trusting God in this area. We want to pray for you. But it's not just for the area of finances. If you have a a difficulty in your marriage or your family or in an area of your life right now, or if you're here today and you've never really given your life to the Lord, I'm asking you in just a moment, come. Let us pray with you. You can give your life to the Lord tonight. We can help you in that area. So if you need to... Come, if you need prayer for any reason, I'm going to pray. After I pray, we'll stand, and we'll have leaders here at the front. They'll get here as quickly as they can, I promise you. If you need to come, if you have something you need prayer about, you just come. Don't And you, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, you stand up, and you just step out and come, and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person that needs prayer, and Lord, especially... Those who need to give their lives to you, I pray they come today in Jesus' name. Amen.